I'm going to have to think of some fun, creative ways to bring in this podcast and to obviously put a bow tie on it at the end of the show as well. Uh, four years of doing this show, I've never once been the guy to bring it in and to, to close it out, but here we are. So we'll kind of go with the flow. We'll think of something as we go along, but welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Arif Dean here of Mile High Sports. The show is presented by Superbook Sports. They are a sponsor for the show heading into this upcoming season. They've been lovely to us the last few years, and that's going to continue at least for the upcoming season. I'm here to talk about the Avalanche's latest signing. Tomas Tatar has agreed to a one-year deal worth $1.5 million with the Avalanche. The contract was agreed to and announced on September 12th. It was exactly one year to the day that the Avs made the move for Evan Rodriguez a year ago, giving him a one-year $2 million deal. Tatar is a 20-goal scorer seven times over in his NHL career. He did it last year, albeit his playoff numbers kind of take a dip every season. But last year was another year for him to score it. He's in his low 30s. I believe he'll be 33 here coming up soon in the next couple months. Uh, But he's the exact type of depth piece this team needs. And I'll get into more of that here in a little bit. But he's got a lot of ties to this team as well. Um, He was a former teammate for the last two seasons of Miles Wood, who has a five years longer contract, or, you know, however you want to say that, that's proper grammar, uh, a much longer deal than what Tomas Tatar signed on Tuesday. Uh, so he's played with Miles Wood for the last couple of years. I actually am going to be releasing a podcast here in the upcoming week with a New Jersey Devils reporter, and I am so excited. This was planned before Tatar signed, just to discuss Miles Wood and obviously the Devils and their their rise and development, and them being one of the top contenders in the East going into next or going into this season. But now with Tatar signing as well, I can't wait to ask questions about the about Tatar, about if he's played with Wood, how much he has, if at all. And just kind of how those two are going to fit. Because right now, if you look at it on paper, it seems like the easy way to look at it is that Miles Wood and Tomas Tatar are going to be the two wingers on a third line centered by Ross Colton. But actually, that's not the only tie he has to this team. In Montreal in 2021, he was traded to the Canadiens, you know, shortly after he was acquired by Vegas and was there for a couple years. And in those years, he was a former teammate of Jonathan Drouin and Arturi Lekkinen. All three of them were part of the 2021 Montreal Canadiens team that made it to the Stanley Cup final, but he didn't get into a lot of games. He was healthy scratched, I believe, a lot in the playoffs. Jonathan Drouin was out on a personal leave. And of course, the third guy of that bunch is Arturi Lekkinen, who casually just scored the conference final clinching goal to send the Habs to the Stanley Cup final. So those three were together that season. I believe that year in 2021, Tatar had... 30 points in 50 games, and as you remember, that was the shortened 56-game regular season, so he didn't miss many of those regular season games. I also know that that summer, when his time with the Canadians ended, after he was health-bombed for several games in the playoffs, I think he only got into five of the Canadians' games in that cup run, but after he was healthy, scratched a whole bunch of times, I remember JJ and I going on this show and speaking over and over and over again about how the Avalanche should sign Tomas Tatar. This was the summer, as you remember, where Gabe Landeskog famously signed his long-term deal moments before the midnight deadline where he can only sign it, where he can sign an eight-year deal. And obviously the night before free agency began, this was also the summer where Brandon Saad coming off of a seven-goal playoff performance 
I think it was seven goals. I don't have his numbers pulled up, but after a great playoff performance that year, uh, in the in the in the year where they played St. Louis and then Vegas, he walked and he signed with obviously the St. Louis Blues. And the Avalanche needed a top six winger to replace him. And JG and I were talking over and over again about how Tatar should be that guy. He kind of like this season, granted not until September, but like this season, his UFA status kind of extended. He he didn't get a contract in the beginning. He kind of lingered a little bit before the Devils gave him a two year nine million dollar deal. So here we are two years later. Do the Avalanche need a top six forward? Possibly. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Landis Gog's not playing this year. We know they brought in Drewen. But here we are a couple years later on the one-year anniversary of when they signed Evan Rodriguez to that contract. They go out and do the same thing with Tatar. And I love that. I kind of feel like this had something to do with it because the Avalanche released... Uh, they, they sent out their press release to media and then they published it on their Twitter and online that Tomas Tatar had agreed to terms on a one-year deal with the team. And I think that has something to do with Evan Rowell and other reporters. I was not there Tuesday. I was there last week. But I think that had something to do with Evan and other reporters being at Family Sports and getting pictures of Tatar wearing avalanche gear with his number 90 helmet, the same number he wore in New Jersey, and skating and, and being pictured alongside Miles Wood. And I think the team saw that and said, all right, we're going to have to release this now because it's become pretty apparent that he's either signed a contract or is joining the team on a PTO. Uh, so, you know, they released the agreed to terms press release rather than the signed a deal press release, which was something that they don't often do, but I thought it was really interesting. The night before that on Monday, Chris Johnston of TSN and, uh, you know, an NHL hockey insider for those that, that love him. He's, he's one of the best in the business at reporter Chris on, on Twitter or X, whatever. Uh, he had said on his podcast on the SDPN network, he does the Chris Johnston show with Julian McKenzie. And he had mentioned that the Avalanche were among several contenders. I think he said six teams that were sniffing around Tatar. And, uh, you know, they were all looking to get him signed to a deal and, and brought in. And, and there was a lot of interest there. So it seems like there were a lot of teams looking at him and a lot of teams being patient, waiting out the market, seeing if they can get him on a bargain deal, which obviously has happened with that $1.5 million deal. So the Avalanche ended up, you know, that was released Monday night on the podcast. Tuesday morning, Tatar is already at Family Sports, already skating with his former teammates. And that says to me that this had been in the works for a little while. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do here with this team. As many of you know, obviously, I grew up in Detroit, and I watched a lot of Red Wings hockey growing up. I would say, outside of doing everything I can to possibly find a stream for an Avalanche game before eventually starting to purchase and afford NHL Center Ice, I've watched more Red Wing games than any other team outside of, again, the Avalanche, and you know, probably up there with the Avalanche before I moved here and started doing this full-time. So I've seen a lot of Tatar, you know, same reason why I'd seen a lot of Darren Helm beforehand and I knew what he could bring. And what you have in Tatar, granted he's in his 30s now, you know, he got traded out of the Red Wings in 2018 was when he was sent to Vegas for a whopper of a package, a first, a second, and a third, just a heist of a deal by the Red Wings at the time. And obviously Vegas made the Stanley Cup final, didn't end up using him. But when he was traded out of Detroit, he was one of those guys that always scored a lot. And and I remember one of my close friends and I, we used to have this like running bet every season of the, the Tomas Tatar 30 goal season watch. And he would text me. He was a big Red Wings fan. He would text me every time Tatar scored. 
and just give me an update. Two down, 28 to go. Four down, 26 to go. There was the one season in 2015, he had 29 goals. He finished one goal shy of 30. And he had started that season so hot that I think by the time November rolled around, my buddy had switched from the 30-goal watch to the 40-goal watch. So this is a guy that can get hot. He's a streaky goal scorer like most goal scorers are. And he's a guy that is going to help you get to the playoffs. And that's kind of the big thing here is, you know, there's often the saying that there are players that get you there and then players that win when you are there. And you'll see the narrative about this. You know, is it a real thing? I mean, it sounds like a real thing to me, and it certainly sure as hell feels like one because of how different the NHL and the game of hockey gets when the playoffs begin. It's an entirely different season. The regular season and the postseason are two different brands of hockey. It's, It's crazy how different they are. But the big thing about that is players like Tatar are great in the regular season. And the Avalanche last year needed some help in the regular season. We know this. You know, we've talked endlessly about it. The way their lineup is shaken out right now, you got Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Valeri Nichushkin, Arturi Lekkinen. Those are the only four guys that are going to be in the top nine regularly, assuming everybody's healthy, that aren't new signings or acquisitions. Because Ryan Johansson is going to be centering that second line. Ross Colton, Miles Wood, Tomas Tatar, Jonathan Druin. Five of their top nine forwards are now new additions, and that's just wild to me. But with a player like Tatar, he's the kind of guy that can help get you there. He'll have great regular season. You know, can I really pinpoint why he hasn't really taken off in the playoffs? It's hard to say. I saw him some years in Detroit. There was the year that the Red Wings and the Tampa Bay Lightning played an an epic battle of a seven-game series. It was one of the best series I've ever seen. It was when John Cooper was a young coach and Red Wings had just switched over to Jeff Blaschel. And in that series, in seven games, Tatar had three goals and an assist. And that was a year where Nicholas Cronwall was suspended in game six, which, well, he he laid out a player in game six, which caused him to be suspended in game seven of that series. That was a series and a season, I believe that was the year the Tampa Bay Lightning made the cup final and lost. But that was a series where had the Red Wings won, Tatar in his three goals and one assist through six games, obviously he was held scoreless in game seven, was part of the big reason why. And had the Red Wings had an extended year, we would be looking at Tatar's playoff performance a little bit differently than we do now because he was hot in that series. He played really well. The following year, the Red Wings were kind of in over their head when they made the postseason and they played the Tampa Lightning again in the first round and they lost in five. Um, so actually it was, it's a little bit different. 2014 was the year that it went seven games. That was not the year the lightning made the cup final 2015 when they beat the red wings in five, that was the year they made the cup final and lost to the Blackhawks. But in that year, again, Tatar was unbelievable in that 2014 playoff run. It was around the time where he was scoring 25, 29 goals a year, 50 something points. He was, he was one of the red wings, new up and coming players. And that's what I remember from him, but he's a guy that's at least going to help get you there. And, and that's the big thing for this team. What they did last year with Nathan McKinnon, with Miko Rantanen, the amount of minutes those guys had to play, it, it can't happen again. I'll never forget Jared Bednar in the postseason. When I asked him about Nathan McKinnon's ice time, he 
you know, obviously downplayed it and was and stuck to his guns that these are your top stars and, and we need them right now. And, and I didn't blame Jared at the time. You can tell Jared was so frustrated with how the season was shaking out with the fact that injuries were hampering the team. And then Val Nichushkin disappeared. Gabe Landeskog never ended up coming back. Guys like Ben Myers, guys like Alex Newhook seemed to take a step back or, you know, for Myers's case, not take that step forward. And Jared had that money quote where he said, you know, 22, 23 minutes, that's normal for Nathan. And if we have to play him 30, we will. But you just cannot have that. You need depth and the avalanche with these moves. Even with a low-key move like Frederick Olofsson being acquired from the Dallas Stars, that's a guy. That's a guy that can play where it's not Martin Cow, It's not Jean-Luc Foodie. It's not Cal Burke. It's not... Uh, you know, one of the many other players that the Avalanche had to call up, and no disrespect to Foodie, I think he still got a chance to be a regular NHLer. But last season, he wasn't that. Jared Bednar didn't trust him. The Sampo Rantas, the Charles Houdons, they didn't get minutes. They came in, they filled a spot, and didn't play. Dryden Hunt, who was acquired off of waivers, traded for Dennis Malgin, who obviously ended up having a great end to the season, but. Just guys that weren't getting the ice time and weren't playing big minutes, causing Nathan McKinnon. Miko Rantanen, Val Nichushkin when he was in the lineup, Arturi Lekkinen when he was in the lineup. Guys to play way more minutes than ever before. And obviously JT Comfort, his minutes were way up last year. So having Tomas Tatar is going to help get you there. The other big thing for me is, look, he's not the biggest signing. He's coming off a 20-goal, 48-point season. But the biggest thing for me with Tatar is it ties this entire roster together. Because let's go over it again, and I'm going to type this out as I say it so I don't stumble. But we're looking at, you know, any combination. I'll just use a combination that comes to mind for me. We're looking at a combination of the top line being something like Druen, McKinnon, and Lekkinen. And I like this one because I think it would be cool to have Druen have familiarity with both his line mates and Nathan McKinnon from a decade ago and Lekkinen from his time in Montreal. But most importantly, I selfishly want that line to be the top line. Because the idea of the behemoth Nichushkin, Johansson, and Rantanen line is just like, I salivate at the thought of those three dudes just running up and down the ice, just knocking people over, forecheck, 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 and scoring. So that would be your second line. Before signing Tatar, the Avalanche had a bit of a question mark on the second line to play with Ross Colton and Miles Wood. And then on the third line, you're expecting some kind of combination of, or sorry, on the fourth line, some kind of combination of Cagliano and O'Connor, obviously playing with a center that isn't Darren Helm this time, but probably a Ben Myers. And then you have somebody like Oscar Olofsson, not Oscar Olofsson, I just combined two players together. There's Oscar Alausen, there's Frederick Olofsson. So, and then you have somebody like Frederick Olofsson kind of looking to, to, to make a make a statement and you know gain a roster spot. Now, the big thing here is, Without that extra third line winger, middle six winger, you're looking at Logan O'Connor joining the top nine, which he can do. But ideally, you don't want that to be the case when you have a fully healthy lineup. You want to be able to use him when injuries arise. Andrew Cagliano, same exact thing. Cagliano and O'Connor played like they were in the top six at points last year. There was that line of Cagliano, Comfer, and O'Connor that was pretty much the Avalanche's second line for a large portion of the regular season. And Cogs and O'Connor kind of stayed in the top nine and were in the top six for a long for a long time as well, where those two guys need to be your fourth line wingers. 
And that's what you get here by adding Tomas Tatar. It ties everything together. It gives you that middle six forward that you can slot in on the third line of this make-believe depth chart that I've created, where it's Tatar, Colton, and Wood. And that leaves Druin, McKinnon, Lekinen, Rantanen, Johansson, Nichushkin in your top six. It leaves Cagliano and O'Connor on your fourth line. And Ben Myers, obviously, looking to take that next step in his development and center that fourth line as a permanent NHLer, which is a prediction that I made on MileHighSports.com. I wrote one prediction for every player. That's what I said for Ben Myers. I said he's going to take that next step this year after a stronger ending to last season than how he started it, and he'll be a regular every time he's healthy. But obviously, he's got to actually make it happen. You've also got guys like Kiviranta, Manalainen, and Peter Holland fighting for a roster spot on a PTO, well, fighting for a contract in general on that professional tryout at training camp. So Tatar, for starters, he ties things together just based off of how the lineup shakes out in terms of the depth chart. The other big thing for me here is, look, without Landeskog and with this Druen experiment, which I genuinely believe Jonathan Druen's going to have a great year. And when I say great year, I mean 50 points plus. He's going to rebound. He's going to bounce back. The Avalanche are putting him in such a good situation that I just, I can't see it failing. And and I don't know how many of you follow Evan Rowell, but the the fact that, you know, I'm, I am I see pictures on Twitter every single day of McKinnon working with Drew in one-on-one and they stay late. They show up early. It's Nathan McKinnon's going out of his way to make sure that this player bounces back. Druin wants to bounce back. He's not playing in Montreal anymore. He's under the radar. He's in Denver. There's not a lot of media. There's not a lot of pressure. Go out there and do your thing. But the big thing is that pressure. There's not a lot of pressure because now you have Tatar waiting in the wings. Because think of it this way. If the Jonathan Druin experiment doesn't work out, who's the first forward to join the top six? Before the signing, is it Miles Wood? Is it Cagliano? Is it O'Connor? I mean, to me, it's Ross Colton because I think Ross Colton's going to have a massive breakout year for his standard. But if you take Ross Colton off the third line, well, now you don't have a center there. So by having Thomas Tatar on this depth chart in what I've created as a third line winger, now if the Druan experiment doesn't work, Tatar can jump up there and you feel comfortable with it without having a situation like last year where Matt Nieto was playing on the second line at times in the postseason and the regular season. So having Tatar there makes it a little bit easier to have a fail safe if Jonathan Druin doesn't work. But at the same time, injuries do and will happen. We know that with this team. We know that with this league and especially freaking Lee with the Avalanche. When injuries happen, the Avalanche were once again one injury away from having a guy in the top six that you don't really want to see there. Tatar is the type of player on the third line that you can see joining the top six. Now, the other big thing is I mentioned him, you know, very quickly, but Ross Colton. And this also puts pressure on the Avalanche not having to take Ross Colton and throw him in the top six because there are going to be times where Colton's your best player. There are going to be times when injuries arise and you're going to use Colton on the wing in the top six. You're going to stack the lineups if needed. If one of Druin or Lekinen or Nachushkin or Johansson, if somebody's not playing or performing and the Avalanche are trailing by a goal or something, Colton's going to get that upgrade into the lineup. He's going to get promoted. He's going to play a bigger role in more minutes. So what bringing Tatar does is it stops the avalanche from needing to go to the Colton well over and over again because I think the biggest thing for that is the Avs just don't have the center depth they used to have. They used to have Nathan McKinnon, Nazem Kadri, and JT Comfer as your top three, but you had a Tyson Jost. 
this guy that you would play on the third line as a winger on the fourth line as a winger on the fourth line as a center. Darren Helm was a center, obviously, at the time as well. And it was one of those things where if you needed to take JT Comfer and play him higher up in the lineup, you can slot Tyson Jost as your third line center. So Tatar removes pressure, not only off of Druin, but off of Ben Myers, because there is a lot riding on Ben Myers' development. If Myers can develop into a capable NHLer that we know he could be, which to me isn't a fourth liner, it's a third liner that would be stuck on the fourth line because of this depth chart with McKinnon, Johansson, and Colton ahead of him. If Myers can develop into that top three, or sorry, not top three, but top nine, three, top three lines, I should say, centermen that we expect from this college free agent when he signed with the Avalanche, it would make it easier that, let's say, Nichushkin gets hurt. You want to play Colton on the left wing with Johansson and Rantanen? Well, then you can bring Myers up to play the center role with Tatar and Wood. So you don't have to sit there and think about keeping Colton as a third-line center because you have nobody else to play that position. Nor do you have to play somebody like Olofsson in over his head on the third line. Nor do you have to elevate a Cogliano who's been playing the, the latter part of his career as a winger back to center like the Avalanche did last year and on a third-line role where he probably shouldn't be there either. So it really helps release pressure just by signing Tatar. It takes a little bit of pressure off of Drouin. It takes a little bit of pressure off of Myers because if Myers doesn't develop quickly enough, the Avalanche can keep Colton on the third line and say, hey, we'd love to elevate you, but you play center, you stay there. We got this Swiss Army knife, this extra piece in Tomas Tatar that can slot in in the top six. So I think just this one signing, it really ties everything together. And I think that's great. It's exactly what the Avalanche needed. I'm excited to talk to him and I'm excited to see where it goes. This is a player that hasn't won a Stanley Cup yet and is, you know, itching for an opportunity to get there. Last thing I'll say is, you know, some players get you there. Some players win when you're there. If Tomas Tatar is not an option when you get to the playoffs, well, the Avalanche have this, you know, secret weapon, I want to say, in in, uh, Kovalenko that's going to be joining the team probably as soon as his... uh, his season ends with the uh, in the KHL, Nikolai Kovalenko, the son of Andre Kovalenko, former Avalanche, uh, part of the Patrick Watt trade. I love that piece of trivia. But you have Kovalenko. We all heard, and I'm not going to ignore the fact that Chris McFarland made some comments about not betting against Gabe Landeskog playing in the postseason. I don't think it's going to happen. But just the fact that the team is saying that as a, oh, you never know, rather than like a, yeah, we're not even considering this, says to me that they're confident Gabe Landeskog's career will continue, which is a big question that a lot of us have. Fans, listeners, media, all of us. We all want to know if Gabe Landeskog's ever going to play hockey again, and a lot of us have our doubts. So reading Chris McFarland's comments about not betting against his Viking and Gabe Landeskog and all this, it doesn't say to me that Landeskog's going to play in the 24 postseason, But it says to me that they're pretty damn confident he's going to play again, and they have reasons to believe that. So, you know, take that for what it is, because last year they thought he was going to play, and we all saw how that turned out with the big announcement right before the end of the regular season, which kind of just put a dark cloud over an already dark clouded team. So some players get you there. Some players win when you're there. Will it be Kovalenko? Maybe. Will it be Landeskog? A hell of a lot less likely. And if not, there's always that big trade deadline that you can use to your advantage to bring in a player. The Avs didn't lose a lot of assets. <laughs> they lost none, actually, if you think about it, with how they started to make the moves they made this offseason. They took a player in Alex Newhook, player out, player in with Ross Colton, and got a first rounder along the way that they used to draft Goliath. 
They took Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators at $4 million for literally nothing for a pending UFA that wasn't coming back in Alex Galchenyuk that the Predators didn't sign either. It was just a contract out to make the con- to make the deal work. They got Miles Wood as a UFA, Jonathan Drouin as a UFA, and now Tatar as a UFA. So they didn't lose any of the assets they had before, what little assets they had. So are they going to go out and trade a you know second rounder in 2025 for Lars Eller again? You hope not. You hope it works out better than that and more of the ilk of what you had in Lekkanen, Cogliano, and you know even Josh Manson in 2022. But the trade deadline is there. So is Tatar going to win you a Stanley Cup? Maybe not. Maybe he does. Maybe he looks more like that Detroit Red Wings version that played against the Lightning in the playoffs. But if he doesn't, there are ways around that. But right now, this entire thing to say, this entire thing is to say 1.5 million for a low 30s Tomas Tatar that just scored 20 goals and had 48 points is a damn good deal. And the Avalanche are better having him in the lineup. And with that, Let's take a quick break here to tell you about our sponsors over at Superbook Sports. Of course, why bet with the big boys this fo- this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Obviously, football season is, you know, well into week one, which was a really exciting, really exciting and crazy week ending with the Aaron Rodgers injury. What a, what a damn week. You know, it was a little bit of a bummer for the Broncos, but... Superbook Sports is the book next door, just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH. That's two words, MILEHIGH. This football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm going to go ahead and uh, end this show with just a couple bit, a uh, couple bits of news, starting with Evan once again. You know, this is the fourth or fifth shout out I give him on the podcast over at Colorado Hockey Now. He was first on this news last Friday when I uh, went over to Family Sports and sat with him. He was telling me that he had something in the works, and it was that Sean Allard is out as the skills coach after five years with the Avalanche. Uh, Sean did a lot of great things. A lot of the players liked him. There's no word on why he left. I would think it probably was just him wanting to go in a different direction after winning the Stanley Cup and fulfilling this part of his career. You know, he already had something going on before joining the Avalanche. Uh, He's a respected skills coach and uh, was replaced by Toby Peterson. He's a former NHLer. He played for the Dallas Stars. I remember his, his last year was that shortened 2013 lockout season. So it's been a while. He's also got ties to Jared Bednar's coaching staff when he was with the Columbus organization. So Toby Peterson's been out there leading these uh, rookie skates after the captain skates. And uh, he's somebody we're going to see and hear more from and see uh, and see a lot more of, I should say, over the next you know coming weeks, especially with rookie camp ramping up on Thursday and then going from there to the, the rookie tournament, heading into the veterans, uh, you know, showing up next week. So uh, that's one little bit of news for the Avalanche. And, uh, you know, around the NHL, a lot going on. The big news right now is the uh, Mike Babcock fiasco, which my quick thoughts on that is, you know, 
I heard the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and I heard what was said before the Blue Jackets released any statements. And I remember when I heard it, I was like, I feel like this is something that the NHL needs to address. And this was at like six in the morning when they released Spit and Chicklets. And I heard it, and I think I fell back asleep, and I woke up at like eight o'clock to all of these press releases from the Blue Jackets saying that they're aware of the comments that were made on this podcast, and we're going to investigate and see what's going on. Um you know, we've all seen the news now. Babcock says that there was a spin to it. It was, you know, his players backed him up. Johnny Goudreau, Boone Jenner, the veterans on the team came out and said that it was simply a coach asking to see pictures of our families and get to know our families more, building those connections and that rapport with his staff. The big thing here is it's something that Elliot Friedman said on Sportsnet yesterday, last night in Canada, that I really do agree with is not a lot of people like Mike Babcock and not a lot of people want to see him succeed. So any possible chance that anybody has to take a shot at him, they will. So, you know, we've seen Paul Bissonnette posting all the screenshots of his uh, text messages that he's getting from players. Am I saying that Biz is in the wrong? No, Biz is simply reporting what players are telling him. But I think it is a little bit of a game of telephone where one guy's telling another guy's telling another guy's telling Biz. And it's just kind of being blown into a bigger thing than it really is. Um, Friedman also did say this morning, Wednesday, that the investigation isn't over yet so it's not completely in the clear but it is obviously something that the blue jackets and the nhl bill daly was asked in vegas at the media tour for the nhl and nhlpa if he thinks there's much to it and he said sounds like no so that's my thoughts on that um and then i'll end the show by saying that you know i appreciate all the positive responses and feedback i got all the positive vibes after releasing the episode on monday Obviously, this is a new chapter for the podcast. It's a new thing for me. You can hear me breathing hard through this thing because I talk so damn fast, as you guys are aware, over the last four years that I sometimes forget to take a breath, and I usually do when JJ talks. So it is a little bit of a different uh, experience for me, something that I'm going to have to get accustomed to and adjusted to. But you know, like I said, I got several cool ideas coming. One of them being a series of guests for for the you know for the remainder of the off season here at training camp and the preseason and all that. And those are already in production. In production, I should say. I've spoken to a reporter from the Vegas Golden Knights. I've spoken to a reporter that covers the Florida Panthers. Obviously, the two teams that just met in the Stanley Cup Final. That will be released here in the next coming week or so. The big one. I spoke to a reporter out of Nashville that used to work for the Athletic that covered the entirety of Ryan Johansson's career. That one is a longer interview because of the importance of Ryan Johansson on this Avalanche roster this season. That's a really damn good interview. That one's coming out here in the next little bit as well. Uh, And then I have some more lined up. I got a Calgary Flames reporter coming up. I got, like I said earlier, New Jersey Devils. I got Toronto Maple Leafs. I got some guests in the market, some guests out of the market. It's going to be a fun media galore of guests throughout preseason and 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 train well training camp and then preseason and i'm excited for you guys to hear it like i said this is this is a a new experiment experience for me but i you know i'm I'm itching more than ever to make this podcast bigger than it's ever been and uh you know it takes a little bit of uncomfortableness to do that and that's where we are right now so with that like i said at the beginning of the show i'm gonna have to find a way to close out this show by myself maybe it'll come naturally at some point but thanks for listening From AFD to Mile High Sports, we'll talk again soon.